comes from Romans 15, verses 4 to 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second reading is Luke 21, verses 25 to 33. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, have you ever had a big dream or a hope for the future? Something that captured your imagination and changed your life's direction? When I was a kid, I desperately wanted to be on the stage, to be a famous singer or actor. At age eight, I even asked my mum if she'd get me an agent. She said no. But it didn't deter me. All my efforts and study as a young person up till about the age of 20 was targeted at this future. I prepared in expectation of great things. I had confidence and high hopes. And Christians are meant to be people who live with that kind of forward focus, people with high hopes. See Paul's um, prayer at the end of our Romans passage. He says, I pray that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's not talking about the Romans' individual hopes and dreams or ambitions, he wants them to overflow with the hope that comes from knowing the risen Lord Jesus. 
to be people who are living for the day when Jesus will return to transform us and renew this world. When he finally brings everything under his good rule. Yes, the Christian hope is for a future when there will be no more wars or injustice. No more pain or sorrow or even death. A time when the earth is restored and fruitful. When relationships truly flourish, even between people who are extremely different from one another. You can see this in that passage of of Romans, how um, the dream is for all people to be unified. It's a future where we will worship God truly with our whole hearts, free from distraction or division or ego. As Patrick explained to us last week, Christmas, Christians are naturally Advent people. We look forward, watching, waiting for the day that Jesus returns to our world to make all these things come true. I love this picture, this um, artwork on the front of our booklets today, which was um, drawn in response to that second passage in Luke, which I'm not going to talk about too much today. But Jesus says, when you see the end coming, stand up and look. Be expectant. Christians are Advent people who wait and watch and expect Jesus to return. Well, as I speak about these big dreams for our world, I wonder how it sounds to you. Does it sound wonderful? A little bit idealistic? Maybe doubtful? Or even you think that that is unattainable? Maybe it sounds a little bit crazy when you say it out loud. Are Christians fools for believing that all this will happen? for hoping on this kind of grand scale. I think it's good to acknowledge our doubts and the disconnect between our lived experience and this incredible vision for the future. Early in his letter to the Romans, Paul describes our world as groaning as it waits for Jesus to return. This is a great way of putting it, I think, because our natural world is totally out of balance, isn't it? And people just can't seem to get along with each other. And just as one war ends over here, another starts, or another two start up somewhere else in the world. We all face our own disappointments and doubts every day. But still, Paul prays that Jesus' followers would become people overflowing with hope. Not as some kind of positive or wishful thinking, but because he understands that this really is the future that God has planned for the world. And we need encouragement to hold on to it and persevere with it. And there are two reasons that Paul has for being so certain that this hope is real and worth watching and waiting for. Firstly, because the scriptures, our Bible, teaches us that God keeps his promises And that encourages us to be hopeful. If you look at Romans 15.1, Paul writes, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The Bible is not one long book that someone made up. It's a collection of many books written by different people over many centuries. And they come together as one big story which reveals the plans and promises of God throughout history. 
so that we might read it and know and trust in God. In the Old Testament, we see the ups and downs of the people of Israel throughout history, their slavery in Egypt and how God rescued them through his servant Moses. We read about their time in the wilderness, how their nation then was growing and thriving as God's people, but then also rebelling against him and eventually moving into exile. And we see God's faithfulness and enduring love for them, even when all hope is lost. We read the words of the prophet God sent to tell them of his good plan for them. And when you get to the New Testament, the gospel writers tell us the story of Jesus' life here on earth. Those people were amazed at Jesus' teaching and the miracles he performed. And they became convinced that after Jesus died, he also came back to life and appeared to them. And through all this, they came to believe that Jesus was the saviour king that those Old Testament prophets had, had spoken about, promised from God. That Jesus came into the world to liberate all people once and for all, not by storming palaces or overthrowing governments, but by dying on the cross and rising again to free us from the power of sin and death forever. See, in verse 8, Paul says, I tell you, Jesus Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He then later does some quoting from the Old Testament scriptures, and in verse 12, he quotes Isaiah the prophet. He says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles hope. When Jesus comes into the world that first time, it's like he's a green shoot on what looks like a dead tree stump. This new green shoot eventually grows and will grow into a whole new tree, a whole new people, not just Jews but also Gentiles, which is everyone else except for the Jews, so that's me and probably most of you, I would say. We are all included. Through Jesus, all people can find peace with God. So what Paul is saying here is that because God kept his promises to Israel through Jesus 2,000 years ago, we can trust him in this next stage or age or generation, whatever you call it, as we wait for Jesus to return a second time. Because Jesus promised that he would do this too. We saw that in the Luke reading, in that extraordinary apocalyptic style um, of language. And um, more simply, you see Jesus say this at the end of the Gospels, that he will return. If you don't know whether to believe in Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection, then the way to figure it out is to read the Bible. The Gospels are a good place to start. And if you can believe what's written there about Jesus, then you can hope for a future when Jesus will return. Now, you might call yourself a Christian, and as you hear this, you might find yourself feeling doubtful or sceptical or maybe just not too fast about Jesus coming back again. And I think that's pretty normal for Christians in our culture, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. But if that's you, I want to say you need to get back to reading the Bible again too and regularly. Because this big, bold hope for the future springs out of what has happened in the past, and it's in the pages of Scripture. And it's what characterises and motivates Christians. If we stop reminding ourselves of this and are not encouraged by God's promises, we will lose our focus 
and probably our faith too, eventually. And that's why we gather as a church, isn't it, and in community groups, to remind each other of God's goodness to us in the past and uh, to encourage each other to look ahead and hope for grace to come. Well, the second reason Paul has so much confidence about this hope, and this is the most important point, is that it is God and not us who will make this future happen. Why did I not become a famous performer? I suppose I didn't have what it takes. And I can tell you, I didn't practice much. And there were certainly people who were better than me. My priorities shifted over time and my childhood hope ultimately failed. So often in our world, the hopes we have depend on us, our own efforts or our particular set of circumstances. Did you work hard enough to get that job or that grade on your paper? Are you smart enough to make that happen? Do you have the capacity or the health to live at this particular pace? This is not how Christian hope works. Do you want eternal life? Do you want peace with God and one another? Do you want to live in a world redeemed from pain and suffering? You can. You don't need to do anything to make it happen. Jesus has already done what was needed when he died on the cross and rose to new life. We can trust his promise that he will come back again to make all things new forever. Can I just take a moment to be grumpy about something about Christmas? This is not like me because I actually quite like Christmas. We're putting up the tree later today. But I would dearly love to eradicate Elf on the Shelf. You might not know what I'm talking about. It's the whole naughty or nice thing that our culture keeps indoctrinating kids with at this time of year. In my day, back in my day, there was no elf on the shelf, but people would say or sing to me, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Because Santa knows if you've been good or bad, and he only brings presents to good children. And as someone who found it really hard to be good, December was a very stressful time for me. And honestly, many years I was frankly surprised to find anything under the tree. Because this is what I was being told. Now today this has been taken to a whole new level and someone very clever in marketing has created Elf on the Shelf. You buy this Elf and um, it watches your kids for the whole month of December. Now I get that this can be fun, that the Elf moves around and every morning you find out where it is and what it's doing. And if that's you and you've got Elf on the Shelf, I am not condemning you. Do that part of Elf on the Shelf. But please, don't do the other bit, which is this. The main job of Elf on the Shelf is that it's meant to watch your kids and report back to Santa if they've been good or bad each night. That's what we hold over our kids for a whole month with a doll. <laughs> our kids, we want them to grow up understanding grace. The gift of God to us at Christmas, Jesus, his one and only beloved son, the promised saviour king is given to us freely. It's not dependent on our behaviour, it's despite it. Paul writes again in Romans that it was while we were God's enemies that he sent Jesus into the world. It's by grace we have been saved. It's by grace that he will one day return because it doesn't depend on us. We can be secure in the hope that he will do all of this just as he promised, even when we fail to meet his standards. It's good, good news, right? And you may not feel like a person of hope right now. 
you might be struggling to feel joy. You might be wrestling with sin still. But this does not discount you from God's promises. Keep trusting and hoping. Keep going. Seek encouragement. Endure. Let's help each other to do that. I just want to return now to that prayer of Paul's in verse 13, the whole prayer. He writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with, the hope, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul has confidence that in every way God has done the work, and he continues to do the work in us. If you're struggling to follow and be obedient, stop trying to do things in your own strength and pray this prayer. Pray it for one another. We have a God of hope. He says, may the God of hope fill you. God is the first one who hoped, who looked at the world and said, it can't stay this way. He is the one who made a plan, who sent Jesus to come and serve us and secure our future. He really wants this for us. God is the one who fills us with joy and peace, even now as we wait and struggle and sometimes weep. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he can fill us with his hope. Even the hoping is his work in us. He helps us to hope. All of it, past, present and future, is his grace for us. And so we surrender and trust and anticipate his return. We wait and watch and pray for one another. May our hope overflow until the day he returns and we don't need it anymore. Amen.